Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 70 of the Canberra Football Show, final episode of the season, grand finals review. Uh, joining us for the first time in a while is Russ. Russ, you've been a very busy man, uh, so I'm very grateful that you're on. How's it going today? Yeah, uh, nice to be back on. I've missed a few weeks, been away um, up at National Youth Championships, and uh, had, I think the, that was the last two weeks. The week before that, I think we had a match on the Monday night. I think there was one at 6.30 or something. Yes, it's been a while, but yeah, I've been really busy, but been enjoying it. It's been a great season and looking forward to wrapping it all up with you guys here tonight. It should be good. And Michael, how's it going uh, this afternoon? Yeah, doing all right, Matt, doing all right. Uh, Not so happy after the Manchester Derby result this morning, but we soldier on. At least we've got some grand finals to to review. So, um, you know, I'm sure that'll put me in a better mood. Well, let's kick it off. You've got the MPL Grand Final, Monaro versus Canberra Croatia. Yeah, so Monaro coming out victors in, in this one over Canberra Croatia, the minor premiers for this season. What an absolutely outstanding game between both sides uh, this past weekend uh, who were obviously playing for the ultimate prize in this match. You know, it it, it looked like both sides, you know, started the match you know, pretty well uh, before sort of Canberra Croatia reached a period in that first half there where they were starting to put together some opportunities and sites of goal. But that was until five minutes before the break when McLaren proved to be, you know, the hero yet again in a finals uh, match coming up clutch for the Panthers, you know, with a beautiful curling effort into the far corner to give Monaro the advantage heading into the halftime break. So they did manage to score at a really crucial time in the game, especially at a point where Canberra Croatia, like I mentioned, was sort of getting themselves in the groove and looking to obviously break the deadlock and they'd created some opportunities for themselves. But it was Monaro that obviously went ahead just before the break. And they almost actually had a second when Michael John had a side of goal as well, but it sort of just went straight down the middle uh, of keeper Sam Brown. So that kept, that shot, sorry, could have gone, you know, either side. The the power was actually pretty decent on the shot, but it thankfully for Sam Brown, it sort of just went straight, straight to him so he could collect. But going into the second 45 minutes and, you know, Croatia, they came out with a high intensity to start the, the second half there. And, you know, their efforts were rewarded, you know, 10 minutes after the restart when Bailey brought down uh, Tineski in the box, uh, so that was a penalty awarded to Canberra Croatia. And then obviously that's where we saw uh, Stephen Dominici prove to be as clinical as ever, you know, just like he has been throughout his MPL career to convert from the penalty spot to level the proceedings up. And then with the scores at 1-1, you could sort of feel uh, both teams were sort of feeling the pressure, uh, you know, as yellow cards started to be, sort of flashed out by the by the referee on a fair few different occasions. I think it really just spoke to sort of how intense the game was getting at that stage when it was 1-1, obviously heading closer and closer towards the 90-minute mark. But, you know, in a moment when, you know, you need someone to step up and deliver in such a crucial moment in a grand final, that's what Monaro were able to do. And they, they got their second goal, uh, well, their second lead, sorry, of the game. And the second goal uh, for them in this match as Bailey came up, you know, um, made up, well, he made up obviously for costing his side, the penalty at one end. And then obviously he produces the winner at the other end. So it just goes to show you how quickly things can change in a matter of moments 
in football and you could see just how excited the Monero faithful was when he scored and he ran over to the fans and celebrated with them, which was a nice sight to see. And obviously, you know, that, that proved to be the final goal of the game. Monaro ended their title drought and, you know, they gave the departing coach, Frank Cashel, you know, the perfect send off. It's the least you could obviously do. Um, well, sorry, it's the best thing that you could do knowing that, you know, your, your coach will be leaving. I mean, to deliver a grand final trophy is the icing on the cake on what has been a great season for the Monaro Panthers who, you know, they claimed a title for the first time in 23 years. And it, it's an amazing achievement considering obviously what the club has sort of been through over numerous years to get to this point that they found themselves at on the weekend where they ended up becoming MPL champions. Uh, Russ, what were your uh, thoughts on this match? Obviously you were commentating uh, this sensational game between two very good sides and maybe it'd be fair to say that many people thought Croatia would sort of come out on top given that they were in front of their home fans, but that's not how it played out. And Monaro uh, came away with the victory. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think I thought myself that Croatia might have had too much for the Panthers um, all round, but what the Panthers did bring to the party was that incredible team spirit, that incredible work ethic for each other uh, and that ability to battle. Frank Asia mentioned it a couple of times in interviews that I've done with him over the last couple of weeks. He goes, you know, and people say this kind of thing, I'll take these guys to war. And they would. I mean, they'd battle for you. They'd fight for you. And they go to the very end. It was it was a cracking grand final, I thought. Um, it had everything we really wanted from a grand final. Chances for both teams. It was a close contest. Big moments um, that were that were given. Proper challenges that were going in. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a great game to watch. A great game to commentate. Um, there was one or two dusty boys at the Riverside on Sunday. Um, we were trying to commentate on the CPL grand final between Tuggerong and Brindabella, and we were invaded halfway through by a, a, a clutch of um, badly dressed Monero Panthers first grade players. Yeah, you may have caught sight of um, Josh Calabria uh, at halftime. That was about the, probably the best dressed one of the lot, to be honest. <laughs> there was a fair <laughs> few out there that were wearing things they shouldn't be. But, you know, you, they celebrated long and hard into the night, as they would. Um, the game itself from start to finish, you couldn't pick who was going to win. There was chances galore. There was some great goalkeeping from both keepers. Um, you mentioned Sam Brown at one end, Jordan Thurtell at the other. Mm. Absolutely magnificent again. The goals themselves, I mean, Zach McLaren's taken a long time to get goals this season, but he got three. And two of them mm. have been in the last two weeks. We were talking about David Jenkins a couple of weeks ago, um, scoring at 10am at Deakin Stadium at that end of the ground. Well, that's now the Zach McLaren end. He's got two there, really pivotal ones, very similar. Um, good finish, good finishes as well. We knew that Canberra Creation would come back into it because they've got so much quality um, throughout the throughout the side. Losing Marco Gaia early on might have been a blow, a blow to them, but Cecilia came on and did a great job. Um, you know, they got the penalty. Um, Dominici was never going to miss that on a big occasion, but right at the end when they needed it, and I think I said it in commentary, Gabe Cole needed to find a delivery, and he found it, and he's been clutch for them this year. It was his corner that caused the mayhem for the goal in the Australia Cup final equaliser at the 94th minute at Deakin Stadium, and it was his free kick that found David Jenkins, and, you know, Darren Bailey's just done what Darren Bailey does, throwing his body on the line. Um, I mentioned at the time, probably the scruffiest goal he'll ever score, but, you know, quite frankly, he won't care, and neither will anyone in green and black. They 
They've broken that 23-year drought, and it's a fitting way to send off Frank Geisha, who's done some marvellous things at that club in the last couple of years. Um, you'll see an interview I did with him on Capital Football's Facebook page a bit later in this week, asking him if there's a tinge of regret that he's stepping down from that role. And, uh, you know, I think there might well be off the back of that because we all play football and watch football for our sides to win. You mentioned at the start of the broadcast here, Michael, about how disappointed you were last night with the Manchester derby. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, this time last year was a similar thing. But the year before, United were winning those games. Exactly. Uh, so that's why we love football. It's not terminal if you lose. There's always next season and Canberra Cation will come back firing. They'll come back stronger and they'll want to snatch that back from the Panthers. We talked about the Panthers this season as being a side that could make the top four, that could win a trophy, that could win the grand final. And they've done so. Different for them next season. Now they become the hunted. Everybody wants the trophies off of them. And it's how they respond to that. But in the meantime, I think they can have a few months of just enjoying themselves. Uh, certainly can. Uh, congratulations to them and also their 23s, Angelo Zaris. And uh, Lou Gaspari, they're also getting the victory. So a double for them on the day. Uh, called that one with uh, Paolo Celestino. That was a very good game there at Deacon at 12 p.m. So we have a double from Manara in the men's. Then we also have a double from Olympic in the women's. So two very happy clubs coming out of that day. Uh, Russ, this is the first time we've had you on in a while. So we have, I don't think we've had you on since uh, Belco got relegated. So... Uh, Probably not, no. No, so can we just get your thoughts on Belko being relegated to the CPL? And um, Tuggeron might have given them a a blueprint, Mm. but that obviously is easier said than done once it actually comes to preparing, which I'm sure it's going to be a big off-season for them to try and prepare over the summer. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a major surprise, isn't it? I think at the start of the year, none of us really expected Belcon and United to be the side that goes down, but the table doesn't lie, as the old football cliche goes, and they got the least amount of points and they will be in the CPL next year. And it's going to be a difficult one for them, isn't it? Because they've got such a great crop of young players there that want to play NPL first grade. And they've got a crop of older players that maybe don't want to play CPL. So we'll wait and see how that affects the club. I think it's a major rebuilding job that they've got there. I think Steve Forshaw um, is more than likely 99% now. I think it's confirmed to be taken over there. And he's got a massive rebuild on his hands there. Um, his key go-to players from last year, your Max Greens and those kind of players, Christian Kreskus, I, I don't imagine they'll be at the club um, next season. There's a whole clutch of under-23s that, that you mentioned the 23s final. They they walked that league near enough in, in the 23s. They were brilliant. Went out straight sets in the, in the, in the finals, as, as has happened to a lot of teams. But can they keep that clutch of players? Can they mould them into first-grade players? Or, they, or are they now thinking, well, I've done my dash in 23s. I'm a first-grade footballer. I want to play first-grade football. And you know what it's like? The vultures will circle. They circle when Tuggeron went down. It's how the club can keep those players that they want to keep and build again. You mentioned the blueprint from Tuggeron with Mitch Stevens. I think it is a blueprint on how to get out of that division. You've got to have young, enthusiastic, hungry players that are fit and can and can take you to the limit and, and can play for 90 minutes and, and can battle. Because let's be honest, it's there's most of those games... Some of them during the mid-season are played on, on horrible fields. You've got to be able to dig in. You've got to be able to fight. You've got to be able to win matches when you're playing poorly. It's hard and it's going to be difficult for Belcon and United. 
Will they come back up straight away? Well, we don't know. I think Queen Bean City will be a better side again next year. And you will be a better side again next year. Brindabella Blues, well, we saw them on the weekend. What a story they've been. And if they can keep those young players um, happy at that club and they'll push for the finals next year. White Eagles are always, always there or thereabouts. They'll be massively disappointed they didn't make the four. So it's going to be really, really hard for them. Um, fresh start, rebuild, start again. It's going to be difficult. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they how they face that challenge. I think they've got the right man in charge there. Um, a bit biased. I, I've known Steve for a long time and he's a really nice bloke. He's good, good football knowledge. Um, and he's been tasked with going back to a club where he's had a huge amount of success in the past and trying to lift them back up. It'll be a story worth watching. It certainly should be interesting in regards to that next season. And we do know uh, a new coach for a certain club next season. Uh, Paolo McCaw comes in at Canberra Olympic with Danny uh, McCaw as his assistant. So uh, clearly big plans ahead for Canberra Olympic. What are your thoughts on that? Obviously, the McCaws uh, have a bit of a history in the NPL, um, know how to win as players and coaches. Uh, obviously, they were a part of that 99 winning squad for Monaro, actually. So it's a nice little link there. And this is their first title since. And obviously, as a coach, they've won... MPL with uh, Canberra Croatia, I believe, most yeah. recently. And then before, and then most recently before that, uh, they made the top four with Bell Conan in 2020. So thoughts on the cause at Olympic? Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? I think what we will see is a whole raft of new players joining that football club. And, yep. and we're not talking um, just your average Joes either. I think there'll be some really big names uh, that are going to go to that football club. I've already heard of three or four that may have signed. Um what I won't mention because uh, they haven't officially been announced, but the names I'm hearing are going to make them a real championship challenge next year. Let's be honest, they weren't far off this year, were they? No, they weren't. Just missed out of the top four um, at, at the last last round of action, and that was with a really good young group. Moulding the new signings with, uh, with the young group that's there, they'll be genuine contenders next year. And as we'd expect from Canberra Olympic, I mean, we talk about fo big football clubs. And Canberra Olympic are one of those. They, they're genuinely one of the clubs in Canberra that have got good backing, good sponsors, and they they fight and make finals more often than not. So they're missing out last year would have been disappointing for them. But their appointments of the McCaws is a step forward in their in their thought process. They feel that they need to take um, a movement, I believe, back to where they were before, bring in some big name players and try to win some trophies. Um, it's well how they mould and keep those young boys that were very good for them, I thought, this year. Yeah, your people like Alan James, Heggie was good, uh, Subasic, um, all those young boys, Max Malik as well. I mean, you keep hold of those boys as well. They'll be an interesting story to watch too. Um, the McCaws, well, they're winners. and They won't be won anything anything less than success at Canberra Olympic, they won't, and they'll expect it. Uh, they certainly will, and uh, I'm sure there'll be more ins and outs as the season goes. I'm sure it'll be all on, all over the Facebook uh, pages of all the clubs. And last, lastly, just overall, what are your final thoughts of the season? Any other notable sort of stories that you took out of this um, yeah. crazy first full season in two years? Uh, well, we sport by it as well. well. Absolutely terrific season from start to finish, from the first match. Um, I had the privilege to talk to call at McKellar when we saw Monero set the marker down for a three with a three nil away win um, in round one to the, to the finals on the weekend and the uh, 93 odd matches I did in between the times as well. It was a, it was a long season, but it was never a boring season. The NPL campaign was magnificent from start to finish. We had great action and, and excitement at both ends of the park and that, uh, of the table rather. And that's why the relegation aspect of it is so important. 
we had plenty of games towards the end of the year where we would have been dead rubbers, would have been nothing on them. But we were going, you know, week in, week out, talking about where, well, which games are we covering this week? Who are we going to go and see? Do we go and watch the Wanderers, who had a, a, a terrific comeback? Horrible start to the year, got themselves back, dragged themselves up. Do we go and watch Belconnen as they get get themselves relegated? What's happening with the Tigers? 12 draws. You know, what, you know how, how are the league champions defending themselves? And everything there and in between. And, and of course, we had some great moments too, some wonderful goals, some absolutely spectacular goals. I don't believe um, we would have had as that many spectacular goals in a season I can remember for a long, long, long time. And then you take into consideration the goalkeeping. Some oh, sensational yeah. Oh, yeah. saves. Some sensational saves. And not just in first grade. We watched the CPL on the weekend. I don't know if you watched the under-23s. But Adam Stevens in goal for Wagga made two outstanding stops. Absolutely brilliant. And, you know, this is the quality that we're getting. And we can only hope that we get more of it next year. And I think we will. Tuggeron coming back up. We'll add something else to the mix there. A young, hungry football club with young, hungry players too. Um, it's just really exciting. And it's disappointing that it's finished. But... It's finished in a way with finals, with a final series that we thought we were going to get when we knew that the four teams that were in it were all footballing sides and they gave us a treat to finish the season. Um, and it was the cherry on the icing on that cake, if you want another cliche. Yeah, I'm glad you meant, uh, mentioned Adam Stevens there when we'll call him that one. Uh, we were saying, oh, that's got to be a man of the match performance, right? There's two crucial saves essentially to keep his side in the in the final and then they ended up beating uh brinda bella in the end so congratulations to wagga there in that regard russ uh thank you so much for all your contributions uh this season um it's been greatly appreciated any last words before we sign off yeah got a few weeks off now which is rather nice and then we go straight into action with the new futsal premier league which should be great we've got a i think it's a uni derby to to kick off the um futsal premier league i think it's the anu apex against the the UC stars. So that's something to look forward to as well. Be calling a few of them. Got some Liberty A-League games coming up as well, which is good to keep you busy over the summer. And then we'll all reconvene in about January um, or February, make ourselves look like absolute mugs again when we try and predict what the league table is going to look like. <laughs> because <laughs> I can't remember what we said back in the day, but I I'd imagine probably it didn't wasn't right. anywhere, near, anywhere yeah. near what it actually was. Yeah, it probably wasn't right. <laughs> no, I can, I can almost guarantee it wasn't. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, back to our MPLW segment of the show. Jeremy McGahn joins us fresh off a call of the reserve grade and MPLW grand finals. Similar result in both with the double for Olympic, Jeremy. Uh, how was uh, the commentary for both of those before we get into it? Yeah, it was awesome. Thanks, uh, thanks Andrew Woodman, for uh, waking up early and coming with me to do the, the reserves game. And, of course, thanks for Russ, who was here just throughout the day. He was here before me yeah. uh, for the reserves game. And, of course, he called the first grade uh ne next to me he was the, the lead commentator rather uh it was a lot of fun it was a great festival of football um four grand finals in a row is obviously always going to be a, a good saturday and the results um yeah i think followed so good on good on olympic sorry twice winning by uh, by three goals uh it's a testament to to the program this season it certainly is. Let's get straight into it. Uh, Belko started the match brightly, pressing Olympic up the park, creating a few early chances early on that uh, were just wide of the post. Olympic opened the scoring, though, in the 20th minute. Vanessa Ryan whipped in a pitch-perfect cross that was sort of contested by a couple of people. The goal ended up being an own goal um, from Backhouse, who was contesting the ball, tried to clear it, ended up going the back of the net. Two minutes later, Olympic sort of made that dream start, didn't they? Doubling their lead. 
um, Olivia, um, Olivia Gurney put a great ball to uh, Ash Sykes and Ash Sykes did what she does best, um, storming around a defender with pace, weaving in and out and burying the ball in the back of the net. Heading into halftime, Belko found themselves in a similar position uh, to where they were in the Fed Cup against Olympic, where they were also down 2-0 at halftime. Uh, so they had a bit of inspiration to sort of call on uh, from the past and uh, were looking to come out of the blocks all guns blazing. Unfortunately for them, though, the second half did not turn out at the start anyway, how they would have liked. Two minutes into the second stanza, Olivia Gurney received the ball from wide and unleashed an absolute bullet just under the crossbar. Uh, I think Russ Gibbs des- described it as a, a grand final uh, grand final goal for the ages um, for Olympic, and it certainly was. It was an absolute cracker to make it 3-0. Ash Sykes uh, bagged the brace 10 minutes from time as Nicole Jolocker put a threw ball to her and Ash Sykes propped it up for herself and uh, smacked it on the bounce for 4-0. Bell Connor grabbed one back, though, uh, from the kickoff straight after that to make it 4-1. Olivia Bomford from deep. Nice ball over the defence. And Tater Matsis got on the end of it and buried it past the keeper. Commiserations to Belco. Still, even though it's, I'm sure it's a tough lot, loss to take, still a great season for them. Uh, heaps of positives for them to build on. Uh, for next season with Scott Conlon making both these grand finals, uh, beating Canberra Croatia uh, in the way they did as well. Uh, heaps of positives for this uh, young side. Uh, great um, project they're building at Belconnen under Scott Conlon. Congrats to Canberra Olympic though. Uh, they've won their first ever MPLW grand final, first ever double with reserve grade also winning uh, on the same day. And also, Nicole Begg becoming the first ever female coach to win an MPLW Grand Final. So congratulations all around. Um, yeah, that was superb in this game. And then you, you just look at the bench as well, uh, Jeremy. I'm sure you'll discuss this also. But you've got stacked bench, the likes of Olivia Fogarty coming off the bench, the likes of Michaela Thornton coming off the bench, Thornton just getting back from Europe, uh, I was told, the night before. Uh, and then literally just got in Canberra on the day and comes off the bench and puts on a performance like she always does. Uh, so many players there, like you're going to mention, uh, did a really good job on the day. Uh, it was also one thing I saw from just being there at the game and watching. It was awesome to see all the juniors get involved in the post-match uh, celebrations. Uh, it seems like they're building a great culture there for the women's game at Canberra Olympic. And uh, they're clearly building something special under Nicole Begg. And this season has two trophies to show for it between the Fed Cup and this grand final. Jeremy, uh, heaps to break down there. What did you make of it all? Yeah, a lot to uh, to talk about, of course. I mean, it, it is a great season for Canberra Olympic, the off-season that they had last year, of course. Um, you know, coming out of it, they were title contenders the whole time. Uh, they, they made they made the most of it. Uh, we could see early on a few, um, you know, a few teetering, uh, issues to to solve because of course a lot of those players hadn't played together before uh, but Nicole Begg really really steered the ship the right way uh, and we could see with the integration of younger players with player playing in I guess so-called out of position but then eventually making it their own El Kaitolu the the main example um, the, you know the emergence of Meg Roden the the emergence of Tanya Miro without the, con- the confirmation of Tiana Miro sorry uh, is is also great to see and and whenever those players were informed. Then Mickey Thornton was able to jump in. Uh, it looks like every five game or six game or so, they had a new hero to really 
um, to really head the, the, the advantage, the attack, I should say. So it was just a, a fantastic season and it is credit to, to Nicole Begg. You know, when you have that much talent off the pitch and on the pitch, you're always wondering, you know, how are the coaches juggling? You know, are players going to complain that they don't have enough um, playing time, etc. But, uh, you know, having talked to Mick Begg as well just before, the, just before the reserves game to get a bit more information about what was going on in the program over there, he was telling us that, you know, players like, Jasmine Zabel just coming back from from injury and uh, of a season with Belconen last year was um, so good in reserve that she got a chance in first grade. Um, but players like Ella Hemmings uh, or Orsiena Farrar or Brittany Fiorezi that we would usually see in first grade last year were in reserve this year and they were fine with it because it worked better with what they were doing. So I think they are doing a great job um, as a program as a whole to keep the talent in the women's football, you know, we lose so much talent in women's football to other priorities in life. It's great that they are allowing them to, to stay back. Kat Peric is another example, um, coming back uh, after after getting after having children and, and playing to the level that she's been playing all season. Uh, so, so it is really a credit to whatever is going on at O'Connor and in the club, uh, what, what we've seen this season. Of course, it's all well and well and beautiful but to have a good culture but you have to have the results on the pitch uh, and they have the best defense in the league for a reason uh, they are solid uh, behind and they are solid when they bring the ball back up there's threats everywhere uh, and, and we've kept seeing it and, and during the final uh, you know the Ash Sykes might score too um, but everybody could have a chance Liv Gurney's goal is amazing every time Liv Fogarty was making a run in the second half you know it could be dangerous Every time Mickey Thornton had the ball, you know that she can score one from wherever. That free kick from LK Tulu wasn't far either. So it's just it, everything in this team seems to click well. Um, you know, I, I put it on that um, on that review that I that I did today. There's the experience of somebody like Victoria Jamison or Ali Cook who are carrying those Olympic values forever now and who are you know helping the other teams coming in and adapting. There's the youth coming in. There's the experience from other players that. Jails, but at the end of the day, you gotta, you know, you gotta give credit to Nicole Beg for getting those girls to jail together so fast. Uh, it's only one season. People might think that it's a long time, uh, but to get the players to get into gear quickly enough and to not, you know, fall into issues or, or miscoordination during the football is takes takes definitely a bit of work. Uh, and Nicole Beg has been very, very impressive in making all that uh, click together nicely. As far as Belkonen goes, you know, commiserations, but at the beginning of the season, they were the third best team, uh, you know, maybe fourth at one point when, when West Camera beat them uh, in, the, in the first round of games. But then slowly but surely, they just got stronger and stronger. Same thing. They had a very, you know, a very hard case in front of them, having to replace Sarah Johnston, Vanessa Ryan, Mickey Thornton, Nicole Jaloka, just, just for those four people, for those players, excuse me. We, we were wondering where those, those team was going to end up. Uh, and they did really well. I mean, um, you know, Sofia Dumos gets the uh, medal for best player of the final. She's, she's probably uh, the best example of how great um, the Belkonen team has been. But Talia Bakas, Olivia Bomford, uh, Kira Bobin, all, all those players have played so well. And same thing, we've seen strengths one game one, one game the other. He, when he wasn't Royal Yuen, it was Sofia Paliwoda. When he wasn't them, Karen Clark would score the goal that matters. Uh, so it's also a program that is developing nicely. Uh, it's very exciting for the competition because we, we've seen so much. Right now, it's Olympics Day, it's Olympics Week, it's Olympics Month until until the end of the year. Uh, they're going to spend enough season celebrating two trophies, and then next year they're going to realize that it's it's hard enough to win a trophy. It's even harder uh, to keep your uh, your title. So that's going to be another exciting campaign coming up. 
Absolutely. And I just want to say, obviously, congratulations to Canberra Olympic uh, on the season that they had and obviously claiming the ultimate prize of winning the MPL uh, W title. Uh, Jeremy, just further on from what you were sort of talking about there in a more sort of general sense uh, in terms of MPLW, was there anyone that sort of stood out to you throughout the season amongst sort of all the clubs? Uh, any little, any little, sorry, shout outs or any stories that you liked sort of over the season uh, in MPLW that you want to sort of share? There, there, there's been a few, I think. I think, uh, you know, it's it's probably an easy one, but but a, a good shout to uh, the unspoken, the the volunteers. Like whenever I would come to the game, you know, I needed, um, you know, I, I can't. On top of my head, I usually have a hard time remembering all of, all of their names. But right now, I remember Kathy Dumos because I was just talking to her uh, yesterday. Uh, but you know, all the team managers—they're always here to help. They're always here to give us uh, the the last team news before we go on to comps because without them, um, we, we can't get anywhere. So it's great to see how much there is around this uh, this uh, women's football in Canberra, and there's more and more of it, which shows that the interest in the game goes. I think it's um, you know I was I was talking about that with. Um, with my partner just today when she was asking me why there was so little fans watching the um, the NTC game this afternoon in the AIS. And I was like, you know, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg. People don't want to put too much money in the WNPL because the level is not up there, but the level is slowly going up there and it's not followed. I think we're seeing the level really going up and up and it's thanks to all those people that are helping, supporting um, the teams and the clubs and even teams that are supposedly struggling like Turgonong United or the Waga City Wanderers, the simple fact that they're showing up every single weekend, the simple fact that they're able to line up players for both reserves and first grade team, uh, I think is, is the best story of, of this season. This commitment year after year after year is the reason why this season we sat with not one team or two teams dominating, but three teams, almost four dominating, a real battle for the title until the end, a real battle for the fourth place until the end. Uh, and, and when we see the quality in, in, in other teams, undoubtedly it's going to, to keep happening and it's going to get tighter and tighter while leveling up, not leveling down. Um, so, so I think we are definitely going the right way in, in the capital as far as WNPL goes. Uh, we certainly are. Jeremy, thanks so much for your contributions throughout the season and uh, enjoy your break. I mean, you're, you'll be at work, but enjoy your uh, football break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. I think it's yeah, it's important as well for me to uh, to thank everyone who's been uh, who's been around. I clearly don't do that on my own. I had a few games that I couldn't do, and and Matt, you've done a great job, um, you know, jumping in when when I couldn't, or or even just being with me and helping me throughout it. Uh, and and shout out to you too for this podcast as well, which is uh, which is pretty awesome, uh, pretty awesome. Excuse me, and and thank you to everybody who's helping us, making the commentary great, making this podcast great. Uh, the whole community, I think, around football in Canberra and around women's football uh, is 99.99% positive. Uh, and I think that's the, that's the main thing to take from, uh, from this season. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our CPL section of the show. Webby is joining us. Very proud of his uh, Newcastle team getting the victory on the weekend, scoring four-plus goals. I forgot the final score. Um, four-one. four-one against Fulham, right? Yep. Correct. So, uh, Webby, thanks for joining us, and how's it going? Yeah, good. Um, anytime Newcastle can score more than two goals, and it's not often. Um, very happy. Very. So it's a good weekend. 
Uh, well, it certainly is, and it was one for Tuggerang United, who ended up getting the victory here in the CPL uh, Grand Final. And just before that, Wagga City Wanderers ended up getting the Grand, uh, grand Final victory in the 23s. So congrats to them. In this one, though, the stage, stage was set for the Southside Derby, the Tuggerong Derby, Tuggerong versus um, Brindabella Blues. Uh, Tuggerong defeated Queanbeyan City in the qualifying final to get here, and the Brindies defeated ANU in the elimination uh, final, and then Queanbeyan in the preliminary, fi preliminary final to get here. Really, really good crowd. I was at this one. There was a fantastic crowd on hand. A nice uh, sunny day, actually. Uh, at the CPL Grand Final compared to yesterday, sorry, compared to the day before, where it was sunny, but it was raining on and off, despite the sun being completely out uh, for those four finals. Brindabella Blues opened the scoring with 10 minutes left to go in regular time. Henry Wilkes passed it to Curtis Schaefer, who brilliantly turned his man, hit a bullet into the top corner. Absolutely terrific goal from the Brindy striker. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out on MPL TV. When it looked like the Brindies might be going home with the silverware, Tuggerong hit a ball uh, through and Sam Walker chested it. Um, I'll ask you, Webby, whether you think this was completely um, sort of intentional uh, or not, or whether he was trying to go for the further man. Um, but uh, regardless, Sam Walker sort of chested it and put it past the keeper. This tight contest went to extra time. Brindies defended extremely well and had their chances throughout. Um, Tuggerong had the probably had the swing of play, uh, had the better of the chances, but um, the Brindies did really well to keep him out. Incredibly, with seven minutes from full time up, uh, of the extra time, and a moment of magic from Adam Furch, who popped up with an overhead kick in the CPL grand final to win it for Tuggerong United. How about that? The oldest man on the pitch. Grasped, grasped, it, grasped it by the scruff of his neck and pulled out something absolutely incredible for a fantastic goal. So well done to Adam Furch there. Coming off the bench as well, might I add. Uh, so super sub, Adam Furch. Uh, commiserations to Brindabella Blues. Uh, they had their tactics pretty much spot on to a T in this one. Tried to negate um, Tuggerong's constant attacking threat. Uh, Tuggerong um, pressed early, but... Brindabella won battles over the pitch and sort of stopped Tuggerong from being that constant attacking threat throughout the game. And for a team that finished last in 2021 to make the grand final this year is an absolutely incredible achievement and a testament to everyone at Brindabella Blues. Uh, like I said, to beat ANU and Queanbeyan to make the semis, let alone to take Tuggerong to extra time, uh, proves how well uh, Brindy's sort of channeled that underdog spirit and they went above and beyond this season with Ray Junior in charge. Um, so well done to everyone at the Brindies. Congratulations to Tuggerong United, who have captured their second trophy of the year. As we mentioned before, uh, before this year, their, their last trophy was in 2014. So, uh, so to already capture promotion this season and add another trophy uh, to, the, uh, to, the, uh, the, to the cabinet is a cherry on the top. For a terrific season for Mitch Stevens' side, Webby, there was heaps in this one. What did you make of it? Um, yeah, it was it was a really good game, and and again, um, probably following on what we talked about last week, probably closer than I thought it would be. Um, I thought Tuggeranong would probably. I didn't think that it was going to be a whitewash, but I thought they'd probably win comfortably, maybe two 0 or you know a three one kind of victory. But in the end. 
Brenda Bella were minutes, minutes away from walking away with it and, and not um, completely undeserving either. Like they, um, I, as you said, I think Tuggeranong probably had the better of it for most of the game. And I'm not sure if they do award a man of the match for, for this game, but whether they won or lost, I think Reese Flissinger was, was the man of the match for me, absolutely amazing. So, again, if you if you if a goalkeeper is going to be man of the match, it probably means the other team had the better of it. Um, but again, I don't I don't think Tuggeranong were any comp- at all completely dominant. Um, and Brindabella were fantastic on the break and had their chances. They they had some chances. Um, Curtis Schaefer probably on another day could have scored three or four goals. You know such is his quality in front of goal. Um, he did score a fantastic goal, but it was it was probably his fourth or, or fifth really good chance that he had. Um, Jordan Host, I think, even had a couple of chances getting in there. So, again, um, Tuggeranong, um, kind of almost riding their luck a little bit in that regard. Um, so, look, a really, really good game. It was, it was played extremely, extremely well. Good advert for this league. Um, Kenzo, for, the fullback from Brenda Bella, was, um, had a fantastic game as well. Um, but look, Tuggeranong kind of showed their class in the end. But um, probably, yeah, a much tighter affair than they really expected. And you know, it, it, it hurts for Brenda Bella minutes away from, from winning. It kind of reminded me a lot of the FA Cup final with uh, obviously it wasn't as dramatic as the FA Cup, like the, the Fed Cup final um, where Wanderers kind of had that game wrapped up to the 97th or 98th minute. But you kind of felt once Monero scored, then once Tuggeranong scored, they were probably going to pick it in extra time. That's kind of the feeling that you got. Um, and so this game probably looked like it was getting towards penalties. I think penalties would have probably been the likely scenario. Most people would have uh, assumed that was going to happen. And it took a, an absolute bit of brilliance um, from Adzi. You know, to give you some perspective, I was playing against Adzi in Masters three years ago, and now he's popping up and scoring the winner in Capital League Grand Final. So it's, it's quite amazing. Um, but look, kudos to Tuggeranong out of, you know, the six competitions in our kind of Premier League system from men's, uh, women's, CPL, and then the 23s and reserves, those six games, um, they, I think they were the only premiers to, to the only league champions to win. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, but again, kind of think about it at Brenda Bella's side. To get to a final from that third and fourth game, third and fourth position is very hard. You have to, and to win, it's even harder. That means you have to beat the top three or three of the top four in the league in succession. Three weeks, win, win, win. It's very, very hard to do. So even to make that final from fourth spot, absolute fantastic. As you said, from last, last year, we talked about it last week, absolutely amazing to even get there. So um, look, it was a really good game. It was enjoyable. Um, you know, I, I didn't get out there. I watched the stream. So um, I really enjoyed the call by the, the British duo. So um, even that was kind of um, just kind of added to it. So, uh, look, congratulations to Mitch. Um, I know he put a lot of hard work 
um, into this season. You know, as we said, they achieved what they set out to achieve in terms of promotion, but this was kind of icing on the cake. Um, and commiserations to Ray because he's done such a fantastic job to get them to this very young team to where they are. Absolutely. I mean, first off, congratulations to Tuggeranong uh, United for claiming the CPL title. It's been an amazing season for them where they've really looked faultless sort of throughout. And on the flip side of that, for Brindabella, they've been sensational this season, you know, to to go all the way to the grand final and be so, so close to actually winning it all, um, you know, is just a testament to how hard they've worked, particularly in the final series, you know, essentially being, you know, underdogs uh, throughout. But, you know, they, they've put their heart on their sleeve and they've they put forward such a great effort and they went toe-to-toe with Tuggeranong in that respect. So, you know, they'll come back even sort of stronger and more eager next season to try and even, you know, push for that promotion to the MPL. Uh, Webby, uh, would you like to share your team of the year uh, with us? Uh, yeah, because you asked very nicely. Um, <laughs> so, um, look, it was it was really good. Um Great quality throughout the year. I'm just trying to think of what my team of the year was last year and whether there are any duplications. There probably are a couple. Um, obviously, there were. I probably had a number of O'Connor Knights players last year, obviously, have gone up. And I think I would have had a number of that extremely good Queanbeyan team from last year that Gabby had, but most of those guys have kind of gone back to first grade. Um, but look, in... In goals, it was it was a tough one in goals, but um, who probably impressed me the most from the games where I kind of went out and watched was uh, Ugali's goalie, uh, Michael DiPoli. And, you know, he's uh, like Adzi on the uh, getting into the lady, later years, but still um, a quality goalkeeper, a great organiser, um, you know, can really kind of, coach the team from the back, but also when it comes to shot stopping, fantastic. I think um, against Western, I think he saved two penalties. Um, so, you know, fantastic in there. But to me, he was he was probably my number one. Um, and look, I would say my kind of bench or special mention would be, as I already mentioned, to Reese Flisinger. I thought he was fantastic. Um, the centre-backs... Uh, look, um, well, I'll go through my back line. And, and as probably most people do when they pick teams of the year, they kind of cheat a little and put people in the wrong positions. So I've probably got a numerous centre-backs in here. Um, look, who I would be playing at the centre-backs, um, Harrison Bunell, I just think was absolutely fantastic. For Tuggeranong, I think he's one of the best centre-backs in Canberra. And that was kind of shown with some coaches because he was picked to... Um, play against the A-League side for, to represent Canberra a few weeks ago. So, um, which is pretty, pretty impressive from the division below to kind of get picked in a team like that. So, um, again, massive wraps on him. I'm sure, sure Mitch will be doing everything he can to keep hold of him um, for next year because he will be a, a massive asset in, in NPL next year. Um, the other centre-back, um, I had White Eagles centre-back Charlie Williams. Um, he, uh, he was I think he was playing a Monero 23s last year when they won 23s. But 
he's absolutely fantastic player. Very big, strong, fast, um, really good with the ball at his feet. Um, you know, wouldn't be out of place playing in the midfield. Um, so to me, extremely, extremely good player. And I think he had a great season. Um, look, who I've got playing right backs, probably not really a right back, but more of a, a centre back um, is Brenda Bella's Isaac Weekly. Um, I think he had a fantastic season this year. Again, also very fast, um, very good on the ball, great dribble distribution. He's comfortable, um, reads the play very well. Um, and at left back, um, he probably has the advantage that I got to see him pretty much every week um, was Will Liston from Western. Um, just an absolute constant performer. Uh, just hardly ever puts a foot wrong. And, and to me, he was clearly Western's best player um, throughout the season. Um, the centre midfielder in that kind of holding six role. And I think he's you know, another guy who could, in my mind, definitely be playing MPL and, and be quite a good quality player in MPL. Um, ANU's Monty Grace. Um, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Quite likely I picked him last year as well in the team of the year. Um, yeah, just a fantastic player. You know, he's, he's a fantastic centre-back center as well. But once he gets into that midfield, he's, he's a real engine and, and can really probably, probably his best position is in that eight position because he's just complete box-to-box. -box. Yeah, he's got that motor in him and he can score, score goals as well. Um, but the two kind of creative centre midfielders I had in there was uh, Jordan Host. Probably no surprise to anyone who's listened to me talk um, on this podcast. I just think he's uh, such a fantastic player. So from Brenda Bella um, and Luke Stevens, who probably, again, he was playing for Wagga last year. And I think we picked him in the team of the year last year. Um, but he made the transition straight over to Tuggeranong and was absolutely fantastic for them um just an amazing player and i think we talked about it last year in terms of when we knew he was leaving Wagga and coming to canberra i said it'd be great to see him go to an npl club because i think he would really actually um do quite well in npl well now assuming he stays with tuggerong he's got that chance to play npl next year and i think he'll be someone to watch um across the front line oh actually well i'll say my um i'll my apologies. So my uh, my my reserve player for this for the back line was ANU's Alistair Moore. Um, again, another centre back. But um, yeah, I think he had a really fantastic year. Um, had a great partnership with with Jan, and um, he just keeps getting better and better. I think Alistair and my uh, reserve centre midfielder was David Ramos from Queanbeyan. Um, he. He came over from the USA and he was his fantastic, absolute quality player. I think he played quite high in, in America, possibly in the kind of MLS reserves. And um, yeah, you, you can see why he's a lot of quality. And again, someone who could easily step up and be a good player in MPL. Um, that, the front line is usually always the hardest kind of pick. Um, so look, um, I'll start off with my player of the season um, was Sam Walker, an absolute pickup for Tuggeranong. Just, he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Um, just the, the really, the players I love to watch, unassuming, 
He's not fancy. You know, he doesn't try and get the ball and take on six players. He just does the simple things right. They're just so effective, everything he does. His eye for a pass, he can drop in and play at that 10 position and he's fantastic. Or he pushes up and plays at that nine. And that's that perfect nine for me, that kind of Bobby Firmino type of nine who can just drop in and, and um, really connect, connect the midfield to the front line. And he's just, he's phenomenal. A fantastic player. And again, um, you know, we knew the rats that he had on him from playing in the uh, Northern New South Wales NPL where he was a former Golden Boot and a former Player of the Year. But um, he's really shown why. And again, if Tuggeron can hold on to him, he will be uh, an exceptional player in first grade next year. Um, and the, the two that I kind of had on the wings, um, so from White Eagles, Chinay Kagla, he again was fantastic. Um, I think I talked about it during this year. I think one of a massive loss for ANU um, losing Chennai. And uh, he, again, I think he was fantastic at White Eagles and he scored a, a, a hat load of goals. And um, again, he's probably just a kind of perennial player in, in any team of the year that I kick. And that's Max Model from ANU, um, just a fantastic, talented winger. Um, and my kind of reserve player from there was uh, also ANU, uh, another elder statesman, um, Chase Deans, who, again, um, had a really good year this year um, and he scored a number of goals. So every year I kind of wonder whether Chase is going to keep going the next year. But um, this year he had such a fantastic year. It'd be a shame to, to not see him be playing again next year. Um, so, look, that's, that's my team. Um, there's probably some other kind of shout-outs out there. Um, Mason Donadell from Ugali. Again, I just he's, he's so young, but such a fantastic player. Um, I was quite impressed with um, Morris Cazola from, from Wagga. Um, you know, Wagga actually did really, really well to kind of get there, thereabouts for the top four this year. So, um, you know, again, a kudos to them as well. But... That's kind of my team. Uh, what do you guys think? Any any interesting names in there that you probably wouldn't have expected? The only one I can think of that you didn't include or shout out was Hislop. That's about him. Besides that, you're mostly yeah, pretty much spot on with Schaefer most of that team. Kurt well. Schaefer as well. Up front. Schaefer as well, yeah. Yeah, Schaefer, yeah. yeah. But I think overall, pretty good team. Yeah, look, to be honest, I think if you put that, that team in... Uh, in NPL, they do all right. Absolutely. Certainly would. Um, Webby, before we sign off, do you have any last um, sort of shout-outs or stories that you thought were really, um, really cool that we haven't mentioned yet from uh, CPL this season? Um, I do kind of have one. It's, it's, not, it's not CPL first grade, but CPL 23s. Um, I, I think a good shout out, and it's actually a very interesting story, is is Wagga City's 23s side. Um, you know, we kind of talked about it before to say if you come from third and fourth, you have to win against the top three straight. So we've only had uh, kind of um, an age reserve grade in in um, in the second division for the last four years. Um, before that, it was open reserve. So the last four years, we've had an, an aged reserve grade. 
um, and they happen to be the same four years that Wagga have played in that in this competition. So in in uh, 2019 it was under 20s, and in that year Wagga came fourth, and from fourth they beat my Western team in the third and fourth game, and then beat O'Connor Knights, and then beat ANU to win three straight and win the the title from fourth, and then the next year. Um, was a COVID shortened year. So we had, um, it was only straight semifinals and they came third and beat my Western team again, who was second and then beat ANU in the final again and, and won, the, won the title. The next year, I don't think they actually finished in the top four, but that season was the season cut short and there was no finals again because of COVID. And then this year, again, they came fourth Beat Ugali in the third and fourth game, um, beat ANU in the next game, and then beat Brindabella. So they have not finished in the top two in any of the four years, but they have won all three grand finals, winning eight straight finals matches. It's it's absolutely amazing. amazing. Eight from eight in those last four years to to win through. So uh, just I, you know, I talked about ANU being a finals team in first grade last year. This is the ultimate finals football team. They're just, uh, they must just feel invincible when they get out in a, in a finals match. So look, amazing. Just a shout out to them. Absolutely amazing effort. Yeah, indeed. And um, I'm not sure if I said this at the, uh, at the start of the show, maybe, but yeah, uh, when I was calling that with Russ, Adam Stevens, absolutely terrific in goals for Wagga. He actually won man of the match in that final. Uh, he made a double save. I'm not sure if you saw it, Webby, but made a save on the on the edge of the box. And then as he was retreating from that save, le- leapt back for a top top corner save. Um, and I was very, very impressed with that. And there was a lot of players um, in both teams, actually, that were very impressive in that game. And I'm sure you'll see him, see some of them anyway next year in the uh, CPL for either Wagga or Brindies. Um, anyway, Webby, thank you so much for your contributions uh, to the show for this year. And... Um, any last words before uh, before we head and wrap it up for the season? No, look, um, thanks thanks for having me on. And again, congratulations to you guys. Um, huge season. Is this potentially your first full season? Yes. I'm not yes, even yes, sure. Yes. So, yeah, look. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so big effort to get through. It's it's. I know from the coaching side of things, it's a long season. It, um, yeah, these 21-week seasons, they take a lot of... A lot of time and so it's a big effort for you guys as well so um congratulations cheers webby thank you so much webby and uh that is us for the 2022 season thank you so much everyone for listening everyone that's joined us everyone that's uh joined us for an interview and everyone that's given us info for commentary and the podcast as well thank you so much as always everybody have a wonderful summer break and um Get out and have some holidays if you uh, if you can. If you got some leave, uh, go and enjoy the uh, summer air and the uh, and the oceans. It's definitely going to be a good summer. Everybody, have a great um, summer. <laughs> <laughs>